You've heard the headlines. Get some perspective now with Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. And a good morning to you. A happy Tuesday. We're going to jump right into the show with the impeachment hearing kicking off today. The lead. Yes, today is the day our country has found itself in this position only three times before the impeachment trial of a president. Today, senators will vote on the rules surrounding the trial of President Donald Trump. On one side of the aisle, they're positioning this as a fight for democracy as we know it. The other believes it's a witch hunt and a hoax. Yeah, and and to be clear, we're expecting this uh, 9.30, 10 o'clock hour time for the Senate to get a little more, uh, dare I say, serious about this. Um, Although today, if we understand it correctly, Pamela, we're going to be hearing it's more of a debate about the rules. And this has been kind of the... This is the whole ball of wax, at least when it comes to the Senate, because short of an agreement on on rules um, that would allow for, for example, witnesses, um, this is already a foregone conclusion. And it might be anyway. Here's the thing. This is procedural today. And usually I don't get all in the weeds with process. I kind of wait for things. No, no, I'm not. Like, tell me what I need to know and we'll move on from there. (laughs) But this process, Bruce, is critical. Today, senators are expected to vote on a resolution setting the rules for the trial. Now, Mm -hmm. Majority Leader Mitch McConnell unveiled his plan last night. Democratic aides said the shortened timeline is an effort to, quote, conceal the president's misconduct in the dark of night. Why do we say that? Well, because McConnell's plan that they'll be voting on today, and it appears as though the Republicans have got the vote, so it does seem like a foregone conclusion. It will force impeachment managers to deliver their case in two marathon, 12-hour sessions that could stretch into the middle of the night. So this is, if you don't want people to hear what's going on, you either do like a document dump on Friday of a three-day weekend. For example. Or you have these arguments taking place at 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night, 1, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. When no one's paying attention. Correct. Yeah, and again, I think so much of it is a foregone conclusion. I think the the reality of this is that uh, um, the idea of some sort of illuminating or or when you hear the word trial, I think that's what really throws people off. That we hear there's going to be a trial. It's not going to be a trial like anything you've ever seen on court TV or anything else, even portrayed in movies, it is a political process. So when you talk about a trial, there are two things you typically have in any trial. Yes. Evidence is presented. That's always a good idea. And witnesses are called. Yes. What happens today with these rules that will be voted on with the senators, those two critical aspects of any trial, and while this will be different than any trial you've ever seen. It may be different in the sense that Mitch McConnell does not want evidence presented and doesn't want witnesses called. Why why in God's green earth would you not want any evidence or any witnesses? If you're totally innocent from a perfect call, why would you attempt to suppress any and all evidence? By the way, including members of your own staff, uh, cabinet or whatever, from telling what they know. I mean, I I think this is what leads to a a majority of people now looking at this and understanding that it's a sham. Yeah, um, uh, you say sham, but there's evidence and, and, and... 
I, I think that people want transparency. I, I don't think that the transparency and the evidence is, is truly going to change what you and I both believe is inevitable. Yeah. I, I believe as we stand right now, and I reserve the right to change my God mind, knows but, it could change. but nothing in the tea leaves, so to speak, is leading me to believe that it's going to happen. But yeah. as we stand right now on January 21st, 2020, as the Senate is prepared to argue over the rules of this trial, there's nothing before me right now that says that the president is going to be removed from office. I agree. And But there have been developments over the last week or two that I think has put additional pressure on Mitch McConnell to get witnesses heard and to have people who have firsthand accounts. Because I see Republicans right now twisting themselves into pretzels. Yeah. In the House, when they were having the impeachment hearings, all you heard from a lot on the right was that we haven't had firsthand accounts. There mm-hmm. haven't been any firsthand accounts. This is all whistleblower. No firsthand Hearse, accounts. Hearsay, secondhand, thirdhand. And now we actually have folks who are willing to present firsthand accounts. Lev Parnes, John Bolton. We can't possibly hear from them. And now you've got right. Republicans saying we don't want any witnesses. No. And in essence saying we don't want any firsthand accounts. Please. You can't have it both ways. And so that's why I find the latest CNN poll intriguing. And this poll that just came out shows that most Americans, wait for it, okay. this is surprising to me. Bruce. Oh, okay. Most Americans want Trump, remo- Trump removed from office by the Senate. Hmm. One more time. By, well, by impeachment, through the impeachment process. Most Americans want Trump removed from office by Senate. Now, it's 51 percent, so it is a slight majority. But I have to admit, I didn't see that coming. I think most people, most people believe the president has done something wrong. But I did not believe. Because the facts are still not in dispute. I believe the president has done things that are wrong. I didn't believe, though, or I didn't think most Americans thought that what he did wrong rose to the level of being removed from office. Yeah. And I can see that. Uh, I have a Monomouth, Monmouth, Monmouth poll. Same question. Do you think Trump should or should not be removed from the presidency by the Senate? They are at 49 yes, 48 no. So they are slightly in, in that. But here's one of the other things. Should the impeachment manners be able to prevent new evidence? Think about this. Only 49, 48, a real thin number. Sure. Think you should be removed. But 50 Seven percent say, yeah, they should be able to present new evidence. And when you start looking at the Republican. Only 37 percent say no. And and when you look at that's overall. But Mm -hmm. on the CNN poll, when you start looking at the Republicans that believe evidence should be um, should be heard and witnesses should be heard, you see something quite similar. Yeah. That a lot of Republicans want to see it, too. I mean, people people want to know what's going on and to not allow that to take place, I think could potentially hurt the part. It totally looks shady. It looks shady. And former Arizona Senator Jeff Flake sat down with CBS News yesterday, and I thought he brought up a good point. And it's not just the president, he says, that's on trial. It's the Republican Party as well. This has long-term ramifications for the party if we act as if we are just devoted to the president no matter what. Kind of this cult of personality that we've seen. We certainly saw it in the House. Yeah. And as far as how Senator Mitch McConnell... I think that's a foregone conclusion, though, right? What do you mean? I I mean, I understand what what former Senator Flake is saying. But 
Like the vote is in. Like that's exactly what the Republican Party has become. I mean, please argue it's not. Tell me it's not. Time. I have a hard time. I'm just saying. Yes, I understand why he thinks that's a bad thing. But that's exactly what it's become. I think what he's trying to give voice to is the idea of, you know, actions have consequences. And oh, they're all the, going to be held these accountable. These actions that you're taking right now to support the president because you are either afraid of his Twitter feed yeah. or you are just thinking that, you know, the base is so strong and the base loves this president. Therefore, you've got to cater to the base and the president. Um, things change. Mm-hmm. And when they do, you're going to be held accountable for them. Um, and, and I think that what you have there is is. You know, former Senator Flake, as a Republican, is quite concerned as to what's happening to his party. But but here's this, this is the reality of it. And maybe this is another discussion. That Republican Party that Jeff Flake no speaks about, exists. it's absolutely yeah. dead, gone and buried. The reality is that the Republican Party, Trump tweeted something the other day. He has a 90 percent approval rating inside the Republican Party. It's also the smallest number it's ever been from the a Republican percentage. Party. The is Republican the Party. Number more and more been. people are leaving the Republican Party. The only people sticking around are the Trumpians. So he's going to have a hundred percent with them because it's only going to be that base. It's concentrated. Absolutely. Is really what has, has become more concentrated. And so hoping that these Republicans have some sort of a uh, uh, a moment of clarity. No. No, it's not going to happen. But we will see it. We, we'll it's still get watch. way here today. Yeah. Uh, opening statements are expected tomorrow. And then um, they're shooting for two weeks. But we'll, we'll see how that goes. There is no explaining it. There is no justifying it. A 22-year-old mom was arrested this morning after reportedly admitting that she killed her three young children. Right here in the Valley. We're going to be talking to our reporter, Jim Cross, who's out at the scene. St. James and Pamela Hughes. I, like, there is no making sense of it. Uh, last night, I saw the story, Pamela, I came across as a tweet, that Phoenix Police and Phoenix Fire were reporting, uh, initially, tell me if you saw this too, to a report that three children were involved in maybe a drowning or a near yeah. drowning, right? Yeah. Uh, the story has evolved all through the night, and we now learn it's it's much worse than we even thought. Now that uh, investigators have had an opportunity to speak to everyone that's involved, uh, the mother admitted to causing the death of her children. Yeah, a mother now admits to killing the three kids, <laughs> three, two, and seven months old. KTAR's senior reporter Jim Cross has been out at the scene about 24th Street and Baseline all morning long. Uh, He's joining us right now. Jim, what else can you tell us about this tragic story? Well, police are listening very little information as far as certainly not cause of death yet. That's going to have to be determined by the medical examiner. Uh, No motive uh, released, no possible motive, not that there could be one, but a 22-year-old mother uh, did admit she killed a seven-month-old girl, her children, two-year-old girl, and a three-year-old boy inside of the home. Now, the police got here last night about 7.30, and as you guys mentioned, fire was initially called out on a drowning call, and mm-hmm. they determined almost immediately that was not the case. Uh, investigators have just wrapped up after 14 hours of being here since the 30th when the children were found. They're just now leaving. Uh, still no cause of death. There's no explanation on why this happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, all we know about the mother, 
the husband and another relative were at home, too. They have not been arrested. Uh, they're talking to police. Uh, police say that they had just moved here not long ago from Oklahoma. And right now, that's about all we know about this. All right, Jim. Thank you, Jim. Jim Cross there, KTIR reporter out at the scene, 24th Street and Baseline, where we find out that uh, a young mother, 22 years old, has now admitted to killing her three children. Again, three, two, and seven months old. And, and Bruce, um, as a mom, I, I just, I don't get this. There is, there is no, no making, making sense of it. Right? Sense of it. No. The, the, only, the only nugget mm-hmm. that I see in this is the seven-month-old. Okay. And the reason why I see that potentially as some information, the woman having a seven-month-old, it's not postpartum depression. Postpartum depression doesn't lead you to killing your children. I suffered from postpartum depression 10 years ago when I had my daughter, Riley. It's it's depression. And mm-hmm. I know you've mm-hmm. battled depression. And it's super hard because it's a, an entire life change. 20% of women suffer from postpartum depression. 1% suffer from postpartum psychosis. Okay. And postpartum psychosis is what can lead to this. Again, I'm we, not we making We don't sense know at this point, I obviously, don't know, right? Yeah. But I'm just looking at the facts that we have. Trying and to the understand fact that it. she has a seven-month-old because there's, no, there's nothing that can explain this. We had a story three and a half years ago, North Phoenix, mother killed three children, Mm -hmm. stabbed them, put them in the closet. That was a case of of postpartum psychosis. When when I talked to the child behavioral experts out there that work with children, that work with mothers, they see these situations differently than you and I. They see this as a woman who who needed help and didn't get it. Now, do I know that that's what happened here? No, no, not at all. What I do know is we've got three kids that... <laughs> well, and that, I think... I think dead. We see a story like this in our own backyard, and we want to make sense of it. We, we want to understand it. And it appears, initially, that at least according to the statements from the the mother and what we're hearing from Phoenix PD, there isn't going to be some... Not that there would ever be an uh, A drawing an a direct line from point right. A to point B. But no. th- there's not... It is not going to make sense to us. And I think that's really frustrating. You know, I, I, because we, we talk about, you know, what wouldn't you do for a child? And we we need to protect the children. And we, and we do things like this all the time. And you hear about a mother doing something like this. And it's just... It's completely opposite of the way you think that maternal instinct is. And I wonder about the two other people in the home. You heard KTAR's Jim Cross uh, mention that there were two other relatives in the home. The the Um, father was one of them, I I thought so, yeah. Yeah. And and, and again, you know, this has been an evolving story since last night when initially it was a drowning call of three children, which in and of itself is odd. Well, I heard that and I thought, how in God's green earth does that happen? When I heard the initial thing that possibly three children were involved in a drowning simultaneously. And, you know, cause of death, not, not sure... But what we heard from police last night is there are no obvious signs of trauma Hmm. to the children. Okay. So what happened? 
we don't know and to make sense of it no. there there is just no making sense of it we will update you on the story that's our job and and we'll keep you updated on it but those those of any of us that are trying to search for any sort of uh sense in this you're, you're you're going to be disappointed sadly enough man is that is a really heartbreaking story is there a new app out there that's putting your privacy at risk? Can I answer that ahead of time? My guess is it's a hard yes. There's plenty of apps out there, but this one's unique. We're going to talk about it. Coming up next on Arizona's News Station. Arizona's News Station. KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. So, um... I thought of this. There is a new app out there, Pamela. And basically, when I first heard about it, here's what I initially thought of. I can't remember exactly when, because yesterday and six years ago are about the same to me. But Facebook um, started doing things, and you might remember this, where it would, it would send you notifications or it would say, would you like to tag yourself in this picture? A picture that you didn't put up. Maybe some, a friend did. And you went... How does Facebook know that's me in that But By the way, yes, it is me in that picture. But how did you guys know it was me? Or when you go to tag a photo of friends, and automatically it fills in It knows in who they everybody. are, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so that's kind of what I thought about. But there is an app out there called Clearview that takes that creep factor and multiplies it by 10. Now, Clearview isn't available to the public yet, but it is expected to be so here in the near future. Who it is available to right now is law enforcement agencies in the U.S., including the FBI. Why do you need to know about this app? Well, this app makes it so it may not be long before you'll have to forget about walking down the street anonymously. What, What Clearview app allows is for a stranger to take a picture of you. Okay. Wherever you may be, rush. you're in public, for goodness sakes. You could be at the Walmart. You could be at the Waiting Starbucks. The you street. could be at the bus stop. It Got doesn't it. matter. Anybody could take a picture of you. And then they could quickly be able to find out your name, your home address, as well as a lot of other details. How do they do this? Well, Clearview has been able to go to Facebook, Venmo, YouTube, and a bunch of other sites and get all of these photos that we ourselves have put up online. And then they're able to put them into a database. Let me give you some perspective on this. Yeah, I'm ready. The largest current database in the country is coming from the FBI. Okay, okay. Okay. You would figure, you know, they've got the... Driver's license photos, criminal background, yeah, all that kind all of stuff. Good stuff. And and it's considered one of the largest with about six hundred and forty million images in it. Wow. Six forty. Wow. Clearview has a database of more than three billion pictures. So they have a database stronger and more powerful yeah, yeah, yeah. than the FBI. And this is this That's is why just, the FBI is using it. Of course they are. And this is just this evolution of um, technology moving at a speed and moving in a direction that most of us are either not aware with, aware of, or maybe the better argument would be we don't know how it can or will be used in the future. Yeah, but you know what? It doesn't take you know a futurist to tell you how this can and potentially will be used. And facial recognition is just one of many issues I have that is you know absolutely targeting our privacy out there. Take a look at China. Okay. They have an entire surveillance infrastructure that's being built by the government 
for social control. Right, right, right. Here in the United States, it's not being built by the government. It's being built by corporations. It's being built Mm -hmm. by companies. Why are they building it? To influence buyers' behavior. To sell you something. And then, incidentally, it's being used by the government. By the way. Right. Um, Yeah. This is... (laughs) And and I think that, that... for for many people, maybe count me as one of them. For things I opt into, Facebook, I kind of know the. I, well, I probably don't fully know, but I understand that there is a a loss of privacy that goes along with using the platform. I think the problem you run into is when government starts getting involved, when law enforcement starts getting involved, and it starts to blur a little bit about, wait a minute, I didn't opt into this. Well, I'm not even okay with the opt-in with the Facebook or having a Google account because there are data brokers out there that are just getting all these points on you and selling them. And so being able to get those points off of Google or off of Facebook and then run it with your license plate and the cookies that are on your computer. Yeah, and and all of that puts together a profile of Mm -hmm, you, mm -hmm. some of which you know is happening, a lot of which you You don't. You have no idea. And along with the facial recognition technology, it's used to identify people without knowledge and consent. Staying in the technology world. Apple. I have an iPhone. You have an iWatch. And an iPhone. And an iPhone. And a Mac. Yep. Apple announced today that they will not, N-O-T, not encrypt, in other words, uh, you know, protect in any way, shape, or form, your backup to the cloud. So Apple takes great pride in that their their phone is encrypted, hence the reason why you've had Attorney General William Barr fighting with them to unlock two of these phones from a terrorist down in Florida, right? right. But... Apple says that, hey, you know what? Your information is encrypted and stored on your phone. It's not, you know, it's not on a server somewhere. It's on your phone. That's and it's your protected. personal, your private information. Right. And, your... and, you know, they're not going to turn that over. Right. But what I did not know yeah, is that when you're backing things up to the cloud. Which most people do. Either absolutely you do. Wirelessly or wired, yeah. That yeah. is not encrypted. No. And apparently uh, Apple has given access to the FBI specifically to backups, which is basically... Your phone. We can't get you into their phone, but but here's the last time they backed it up and everything that was on it, which kind of defeats the purpose, doesn't it? I mean, we're right back to it. We asked you, by the way, on our totally unscientific poll of the day, knowing that Apple announced they will not encrypt backups and law enforcement can now access contents of iPhone in certain cases... Should Apple protect your information on the cloud as much as they protect the information on your phone? You could vote yes, Big Brother. I have to throw that in there. Or no, what are you hiding? You can vote right now on the Facebook. Totally unsigned Big Phil with it. And, and that's what it comes down to. It comes down, really, in all honesty, to the risks, risks of technology. Do they far outweigh any possible benefit? Yeah. Are you a gun owner? We have uh, uh, some new information out there. A survey that found, well, dare I say, gun safety might be lacking. And where do you fall in this? We're going to be digging into it. Coming up next on Arizona's News Station. 
Arizona's news station. KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. So, if you are a gun owner, do you keep your firearm, or firearms, plural, secured, locked up? Even if you have kids, there's a a new study out there from the people that do studies that took a look at, it was thousands of gun owners, and I admit, I will acknowledge, I was a little bit surprised to find out the number. 40% of gun owners say they leave at least one firearm in their home unlocked, according to a new survey. Okay, 40% don't secure their firearms. Here's the other thing. Yeah. Even if there's kids in the home. The findings show not only do 40% leave firearms unlocked when children are present, 39% keep loaded guns at home, and 14% admit to keeping guns unlocked and loaded. Yeah, um, I I, I take issue with this. Really? Uh, I absolutely take issue with this. Uh, I'm a gun owner mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, a supporter you have of a child the in the house. And I've got a kid in the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's no way on God's green earth, even after the the countless number of conversations I've had with my daughter about not touching a gun, about leaving the situation toys. if you're somewhere, about getting an adult. We've had this conversation. I don't know how many times there is no way I would leave a loaded firearm unlocked in my house. There's no way. Mm -hmm. And for those out there that say, well, you know what? I have a firearm to protect my family. Yeah, so do I. And that's why I am protecting my family. You know what? There are many different safes out there. And when I say safe, I think a lot of people conjure up this image. You have like the, of the, this, the like, bank vault. You got to spin the yeah. dial on it. Yeah, you, no, there are, no, there are a, a lot of different you know safes out there that are really about the size of a handgun that you can quickly get into. All right. You're not having to punch Some in of them code. use like your thumb yeah. or a real quick, uh, real quick access code. code. Yeah. So if you're so concerned with protecting your family, protect your family. Hmm. Okay, so I am bizarre in this. I have well, some. You just stop there okay, with sorry. the I am bizarre, but continue. I have some guns that I have locked, but I have others that I don't. But I also don't have kids in the house. See, that's a different situation. Oh, is but, it though? Seriously, let me. Well, I'm asking because I guess I, I would technically fall into the forty percent of gun owners who don't secure all of my firearms. I think that it comes down to a couple of things. One, do you have kids routinely in your house? I no. know the answer to this, but I'm asking you right, for everybody else listening. Um, because like you look at other people who don't have kids, but maybe they're an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent mm-hmm. or, you know, that they don't have children in the home. I don't have other humans in my well, house. See, I knew that too. Okay. Right. It's just you. Yeah. And... If you've got kids... So you're okay with me just leaving guns out on countertops? That's a you problem. That's a a you problem. fair enough. And if somebody breaks in and takes them and things along those... No, but that's the other concern I have, too. Okay, I see what you're saying. About keeping guns out of the hands of bad guys. And this is the whole, like, a good guy with a gun versus a bad guy with a gun. You know, by leaving them unsecured, you also become a target. Mm. And then that and then it's like the law of unattended consequences of that getting into the wrong hands. So I think that there's such thing as a responsible gun owner. And that's what I believe I am. Yeah. I, and again, I feel I feel weird because I, I, I literally I have some that are locked up and I have others that aren't. And I'm trying to think of the difference. And why I do that. Is it for protection? 
because that's the argument you usually get from folks. You know, if a guy, if a bad guy's breaking into my house at right, two o'clock in the right. morning, I don't have time to get up, go downstairs, and plug in 13 the thirteen left. Yeah, exactly. Seventy two right, I, and I get 51 the argument. Right, yeah. I absolutely get the argument, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's why you invest in a safe that you can quickly. Because I showed you the one I I yeah. have that it's a four digit code. It's a little box, mm-hmm. and it. Pops open and you can access the contents of the box. It can carry a, uh, a pistol or, or anything else that you wanted in it. Um, and so there are some that I do keep locked up because I guess here's the way I look at it. If anybody else can have access to it, I keep it locked up. If it is somewhere where no one else is going to find it, then I'm okay with it. I know I'm really drawing a weird line there. We asked uh, on our Twitter, by the way. Do you lock up your firearms at home? You can vote right now up on the Twitter machine. Look at that. All right. Are you technically responsible gun owner, I guess. That, that in and of itself is a loaded question. Martha McSally apparently hasn't learned a lot about the last election she lost. She seems to have thrown her lot in and is going down the same path that lost her the last election. What is this strategy exactly? We're going to dig into the latest with Senator McSally coming up next on Arizona's News Station.